0: everyone and welcome to the Valmet Forward Talks podcast series where we discuss the big topics surrounding sustainability, climate change and the future of the pulp and paper industry. My name is André Noël-Chaker and I have the pleasure of being your host. The topic of this episode is How to Move the Pulp and Paper Industry Toward Carbon Neutrality The key questions are, what is carbon neutrality? What kind of targets and measures are needed to achieve carbon neutrality in the pulp and paper industry? How is the pulp and paper industry meeting global climate targets? Our podcast guests will soon talk to us about the initiatives their companies are taking to mitigate climate change. So stay tuned. Welcome to this first episode of Forward Talks from Valmet, the company that converts renewable resources into sustainable results. With us here today, we have two sustainability gurus, Laura Pustiarvi, Head of Sustainability at Valmet, and Sarah Nannerbru, Senior Vice President, Sustainable Sourcing and Logistics at Stura Enso, to discuss the topic of reducing carbon emissions in the pulp and paper industry. Welcome to you both.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'd like to start by asking you both a personal question, if I may. What do you do in your everyday life, in your personal life, to fight climate change? Sara.
1: Well, I do the small things that we can all do, uh, like turning off the lights when I leave a room or when I enter the room if my kids have not let it out when they left. (laughs) Um, I try to eat less meat. And what is to me also very important and, and also being in, in pulp and board business is that I recycle my waste. We also have the target to be 100% circular and therefore also very important. So this is the small things that I do and it's maybe a small contribution, but if we all do it uh, and we can all do yeah. it, we help out to, to save the planet.
0: makes a big difference. Thank you very much. What about you, Lara?
2: Well, I'm a big fan of impacts. And what that means is that in my personal life and at work, I'm always trying to drive change in those areas that have the biggest impacts. And in my personal life, the emissions rise from housing, commuting, my business travel, the food I eat, and the consumables I buy. So my housing emissions are rather low, as I live in an apartment house and buy CO2-free electricity. But my commuting and business travel emissions are too high, as I need to travel in my work, but I also should change my hybrid into public transportation and reducing business travel once the world opens up again after COVID.
0: As our podcast topic suggests, today we'll discuss CO2 emission reductions to mitigate climate change with a focus on the pulp and paper industry. The term carbon neutrality is often used in the climate discussion. But what does carbon neutrality really mean? And since we have two experts here, I'd love to ask you, what does it really mean? Does it mean that we're producing no carbon at all? Or what does it mean? Well, to to put it in
1: simple words, uh, carbon neutral is when you don't add any fossil CO2 emissions to the atmosphere when you're producing a product or performing an activity. And this is, of course, very important. And also, I want to mention that in Store Enso, we strive even further. We strive to be carbon
2: net positive.
0: Laura, tell us from your perspective, what does it mean for you and for your company?
2: Well, Sarah described it actually very well. So, carbon neutrality means that there is a balance between emitted and absorbed carbon. And achieving zero carbon dioxide emissions is possible by eliminating or offsetting carbon dioxide emissions.
0: You both represent the pulp and paper industry, uh, Valmet as a technology provider and Stura Enso as a pulp and board producer. Uh, Looking at the industry overall, where do you see that the most carbon emissions are coming from?
2: So if we look at the emissions of the whole world, pulp and paper industry is responsible for 0.6% of the emissions based on World Resource Institute and Climate Watch. And when looking at this, it is clear that a range of sectors and processes do contribute to the global emissions. And it means that there is no single or simple solutions to tackle climate change. And for Valmet, we really look at it from the value chain emissions perspective, where we see that our supply chain represents 4% of the entire value chain emissions, our own operations, only 1%. Mm. So the rest is emitting during the use phase of our technologies, which is then even more than 95% of the entire value chain. So this really means that we need to especially focus on the research and development activities within the company to really try to make the net emissions in a year much smaller than they are now.
0: And that uh, 95% is what companies like and Enso does. Exactly. So I'll, I'll ask you, uh, Sarah, from your perspective, uh, within this 95% of the industry that comes from the operations of of pulp and paper uh, production and pulp and board uh, production, where do you see that, the if I can ask, most of the emissions come from, from your perspective?
1: So in Stora Enso, uh, we also see that this Scope 3 is where we have the biggest emissions. Not as high as 95% as of Valmet, but we have 71% that comes from our Scope 3. And in Scope 3, that's uh, where we see the value chain. And here, the biggest categories are our sourcing of raw materials. We have the upstream energy and then, of course, the transportation, both upstream and, and downstream, mm. and also for us, the uh, processing of of sold goods is also approximately like a bit more than 40% of our scope-free emissions. So, in Stora Enso, the main part of the emissions is from the value chain as well.
0: Now, at the recent climate conference in Glasgow, uh, United Nations Chief Antonio Guterres stated that current climate action would not be enough to reach the 1.5 degrees by 2050. What about the pulp and paper industry? Are you on course to meet the original targets or not? Perhaps we can start with Sarah.
1: Well, I can only speak for us in Stora Enso, and our old science-based targets that were approved in 2017, they were aligned with the Paris Agreement to stay below the two degrees. And we were actually the first company in our sector to get an approval of a science based target. And now, as you say, I mean, the latest IPCC report clearly shows that uh, to keep the global warming below two degrees, it's uh, not enough. We need to do more. And so, and so, I mean, we really want to be part of the solution to the climate crisis. And therefore, we have raised our ambition. And what we have is then to reach the one and a half degree target. Uh, one of those things is that we recently then committed also to reductions on the scope three, which is then required to have a science based target to reach the one and a half degree.
0: Ambitious target. What about
2: uh, VALMET? Well, to answer, Andre, your question, from VALMET's perspective, yes, we are on course. And our validated science based targets actually go well beyond the Paris Agreement 1.5 degrees target. But we cannot drive the change alone. And need to engage the entire value chain to make the transition towards carbon natural future. And with the value chain, I mean our suppliers, our customers, like Stora Enso, to set the demands and expectations to us. But we also need our owners, the investors, the banks and the lenders to really facilitate the change. And we need us all, so the consumers in whole. Because everybody are needed to take the leap forward. And at Valmet, the leap happened for us a year ago when we launched our new climate program. And I want to highlight here that Valmet has 220 years of history and environmentally efficient technology has been part of our DNA since early on as the use of energy, water and raw materials are impacting the cost structure of our customers. So even though the efficiencies have been there in the focus for a long time, we wanted to go further. And therefore, we created and launched this new climate program that sets very ambitious CO2 emission reduction targets, not only for our own operations, but also for the supply chain and for our technology use at our customers. So, really covering the entire value chain and the main emission sources.
0: Hmm. Looking into the future, into the near future, let's say the next decade, where do you see the biggest potential and the biggest challenges in? Cutting carbon emissions in the pulp and paper industry as a whole.
2: From Valmet's perspective, the biggest potential is in the technology that enables fully carbon neutral pulp and paper production processes for the entire pulp and paper industry in the world. This means that no fossil energy is needed anymore. And this is really transforming the industry. And then to the other side of the coin, where I would like to highlight two challenges that we see in the horizon. The first is related to the availability of biomass in the future where the demand for biomass is most likely increasing as industries shift from fossils to renewables and impacting the cost of biomass. The second challenge relates to the regulatory development that's ongoing within the European Union concerning the classification if biomass is being classified as sustainable or non-sustainable. So the classification most likely will have an impact to the future investments and to the cost of capital.
0: Hmm. Sarah?
1: Yeah, and where we see the biggest potential to cut the emissions is, of course, where we see that we have control and we have most control over our scope one and scope two, our own production. Hmm. Um, so that means that's where we have the highest potential at the same time, as I mentioned before, and also the same case for Valmet, is that we have most emissions in scope three. And here we don't have the same control, even if what we see is that we can do more to impact the upstream than the downstream on, on scope three. And it gets really, as Laura has been uh, touching as well, that we really need to collaborate to make it happen because our scope one and scope two is someone else's scope three and so on. And, and um, what we need to do is to work with our suppliers uh, from Sourcing and Logistics, where I work, to see that we everyone starts to measure the emissions because that is the first step to actually be able to also reduce. So you need to measure and take action and set the targets for how to reduce.
0: And it seems that you're both very much aligned. You know, you both have, both Valmet and uh, Studa Enso recently set very specific climate targets, very ambitious and specific targets for uh, you know cutting carbon emissions already by 2030. That's only nine years from now. So can you briefly describe how you have defined your targets and programs?
2: So at Valmet, we launched our new climate program a year ago in early 2021, and the program covers the whole value chain and the main emission sources within the supply chain, our own operations, and in the technology use phase at customer mills. So our climate program has ambitious targets to reduce the CO2 emissions from our suppliers by 20% by 2030, in our own operations by 80% by 2030, And for our technology use phase, we have two targets, actually. The first is for the existing installed base of paper, board, and tissue machines and the pulp mills. So there we aim to increase the energy efficiency by 20% by 2030. And for the new lines, we target to enable fully carbon-neutral pulp and paper production by 2030. And I also want to highlight here that our targets are all based on data, and also on the latest climate
0: science. That's very impressive and very, very ambitious targets. So what about at Stora Enso?
1: Well, in Stora Enso we also recently updated our targets, uh, meaning that we have a new sustainability approach saying that we will be 100% regenerative in 2050. But now looking at 2030, what we are committed to is that we will reduce our own production, the Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions, with 50%. And that is in line with the one and a half degree target. And it's also approved by science-based targets. And what is new is that we have also committed to the same reduction on Scope 3. And we know that this is um, ambitious, but we also know that it's needed so 50% down, also on scope-free emissions uh, until 2030. And this is then a clear call for our suppliers, such as Valmet, that we need to collaborate to reach this ambitious target.
0: You know, Laura, you, you talked about... Uh what your company calls the the use face, uh, how you enable customers like Stura Enso to produce pulp and paper with zero carbon emissions. And you're planning to do this already by 2030. Could you go a little bit deeper? I I think we already heard a little bit of the recipe that Stura Enso is going to be using. Could you go a little bit deeper into how do you make this happen in such a short time?
2: Absolutely. Um, So our first target is to increase the energy efficiency which we will achieve by further developing energy efficiency of the current offering by various means, for example, by equipment upgrades that need less energy, by automation solutions and services to further optimize the production processes. Our second target aims to enable fully carbon-neutral pulp and paper production by 2030, and we will achieve that by developing new technologies to eliminate the need for fossil energy sources through biomass or electrifications, but we will also investigate other solutions for customers that do not have the full energy portfolio available, such as the use of carbon capture and storage and green hydrogen options. I also would like to highlight that our climate program actions are fully integrated into our internal strategic and annual planning processes which ensures that the actions will happen.
0: Sarah, I'd like to speak to this very inspiring goal. You talked about it earlier, this, uh, this long-term target of your company to offer 100% regenerative products and solutions by 2050. I love this word, regenerative. It's going even further. So what does regenerative mean here? And what is the impact from the climate change mitigation point of view? Will your operations be totally carbon neutral by 2050?
1: Yes, and even further, we will be carbon net positive. Yes. But to start with your question on regenerative and what is it, what we put into this regenerative is that we will be 100% regenerative and offer only regenerative products and solutions. And this means that all our products and solutions will be circular. That's one thing. And it will also be biodiversity net positive and also carbon net positive. And then carbon net positive, what is that? It means actually that they take out our solutions and products in 2050 will take out more carbon than we have emitted during the production process. Wow. And this is, of course, also possible from our raw material, the trees and the fiber. I mean, here they are carbon neutral to start with, which is, of course, something that is uh, needed now when we need to go from the fossil based materials to um, renewable materials. And the thing is that what will then be a regenerative product in 2050, we do not know all of those details yet yet. But we know that this net biodiversity and carbon positive and fully circular, that are the key components to get to regenerative solutions. And we have some products already today uh, that I can mention that, I mean, is taking and showing the way to 2050. One is, for example, cross laminated timber, the CLT that we can use when we build uh, houses and so on. And not only does it replace the fossil-based materials with the renewable material, it also actually helps the ones living in the building to feel better, to improve the well-being. And this is for us kind of an example of then regenerative solutions.
0: Before I let you go. I did ask you by email to send us a picture or bring a prop with you about how you see the future, your vision of a sustainable future from your personal perspective. Let's start with you, Sarah. Describe, just don't explain it yet, just describe the picture that you sent us.
1: Well, I brought a picture. I sent a picture of a forest.
0: Okay. And then and then, uh, and then your, what was your – could you just describe? Don't explain. Just des- mm-hmm. describe the picture that you, you sent us.
2: I brought a world map. A world map. Mm-hmm.
0: A world map. Thank you. Now, I think you both saw each other's picture. And this is a sort of a surprise question for you. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I'm going to ask Sarah first. You saw this world map that Laura sent us. What did it bring to mind? Well, it
1: reminds me of why I cannot see catastrophe movies. (laughs) I mean, um, I I for sure hope that we can avoid this and we need to be committed to um, reach our targets, not only because they are our targets, but to save the planet and to stay within the planetary boundaries. That was kind of my feeling when I saw Laura's picture.
0: Lara, was that the kind of feeling you wanted to trigger? <laughs> and, and and explain why you chose this picture also.
2: So my picture was a world map with a color coding around the equator, presenting the not livable areas in the world by 2070, if we are continuing with the current road forward and not reducing the fossil emissions. So I think that if we as a humankind are not able to change the way we live, produce or move around. The world will be a whole different place in 50 years where people cannot live in a big part of the world. So we truly need to go to this alternative road and reduce our fossil emissions.
0: Sarah sent us a picture of a forest. Why do you think uh, she sent us this? She said something about, you know, recharging. But what does that picture bring to your mind, a picture of a forest?
2: Yeah, uh, in my mind, the forest equals to hope and recharging. I do not want our spruces and pines to be replaced with palm trees if the climate gets warmer, and not to mention the ecosystem losses and also the fact that the forests can be significant carbon sinks too. So for me, it is a sign of hope.
0: Sarah, why did you choose this picture? We understand it's, it's personally recharging, but from a bigger vision perspective, why did you choose this picture?
1: Well, Laura, as was kind of spot on as well, but the trees, I mean, they grew back. And this is what we have as our raw material to also be able to replace the fossil-based materials. And that's where we need to go. And uh, we need to start to use renewable materials instead of fossil-based. So uh, that is why I selected the picture of the forest. I think it gives hope, as Laura said.
0: Mm. Well, thank you for the hope you share today, these wonderful targets, these wonderful measures, all the work, the important work that you're doing. Thank you for coming and discussing these issues with us on Forward Talks. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you.